Hi, I am Chris. I am a physician and an advanced weight loss coach. This is the podcast for you if you grew up in an environment where saying no to food offerings is like rejecting your mom, your parents, your heritage. If not cleaning your plate was frowned upon, but perfect bodies were not only praised, but expected. We're faced between the tug of war between weight loss and keeping the family together. The family wins, right? If you feel you hurt someone's feelings by saying no to their food and drink offerings, you are exhausted of dieting and have resolved to believe you are not destined to lose weight, but deep inside you still have a desire to achieve it, you are in the right place. I will teach you to free yourself from food drama and restrictive dieting so you can have fun and enjoy your journey towards permanent weight loss while still preserving those family ties and celebrating your cultural heritage. So today I have an amazing Beyond My Wildest Dreams treat for you. I have a very special guest on the podcast. She lost 100 pounds 15 years ago and has been able to keep it off. She is one of my mentors, the host of the Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne podcast, and has revolutionized the weight loss industry with her No BS program, which has helped thousands of women to lose weight without any diets, as she teaches to lose weight the way you want to live it. Most importantly, the foundation of all her work is self-love. Her words have always pierced my soul, and it was a no-brainer for me to enroll in her advanced weight loss coaching certification program, as I wanted to learn from the master herself so I can teach it to you now. Please welcome Corinne Crabtree. Thank you. Good Lord. That was a nice intro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all true and from the heart. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm really excited. You know, I was um, thinking about your, your whole class and just how many little rock stars came out of that one. Just like y'all have been just playing and doing the things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I decided to name this, this podcast and my weight loss group, the joyful weight loss. um, Because as you preach and taught me, weight loss can be fun, easy, delicious, and fitting to any lifestyle. Besides being a physician and a life coach, I also own a bakery. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I did not know that you own a bakery, but that's amazing. I own amazing. a bakery, <laughs> yes. And people either tell me that I must be tortured for me or that I have a ginormous willpower. And you and I both know that this is not about willpower, right? Right. And, and you are known also for loving nachos, enjoying happy hour with your husband, and traveling to Vegas once in a while. So how do we make losing weight fun, sexy, enjoyable? And after losing 100 pounds permanently, how are you able to enjoy these things and still keep the weight off? Well, that's a good question. And then what's so funny is um, you said go to Vegas occasionally. We just literally got back the fourth time since Memorial Day. (laughs) So we have been... We've been making up for what we did not get to do last year, like in high style. Um, I think for me, a lot of it is really identifying how to have a good time when like, like with food not being the whole thing. So like when I go on vacation, I really focus on like, why am I going to begin with? Like when we go to Vegas, it's literally so my husband and I can connect 
We mm-hmm. like being able to spend some time together where we're not working. We want to be able to have conversations that we're not normal. I mean, we work together. So conversations that we're not normally going to be able to sit around and have when our 19 year olds running around the house and the business is sitting there and the cats are running around. So it's a lot of being real intentional about, all right, so if I'm going to be on vacation or I'm going to be doing date night outside of food and outside of drinking, what is really important here? Because I think what happens is like for me, I remember all the time when I had a weight issue, I made like going out, it was all about what I was going to eat. Eating was like the only thing I focused on. I planned what I was going to eat. I thought about all the things I was going to eat. And I just would forget about the experience part. I would confuse at the experience of what I was eating. So I think for me, that's been really the biggest part is understanding what do I want out of these things that I'm doing in my life? Like ultimately, I want to come home from vacation feeling relaxed. If I want to come home feeling relaxed, I didn't just go belly up the whole time and eat the entire time. Otherwise, I come back regretful. And so I think it's just being super intentional about the experience I want to have and the experience I want to have when I get back home too. Yes. I think, um, a lot of people, you know, when they come to us, they are like, I cannot imagine how this could be fun without the food, but that's the thing. Like when we focus on the food, we're not really engaging with our loved ones. We're just making, we're negotiating in our brain. Should I eat this? Should I not? If I do, I feel guilty, the shame. So we're not truly pressing in the moment and enjoying yourself. So I love that. My husband and I started about a year ago, Saturday dates that we ride our bikes. I mean, we go to brunch, mm-hmm. but we just like, how can we just connect with each other without involving just going to a restaurant and having a meal? Yes. So that was a cool thing to, to think outside the box like that. So you, lo- you lost 100 pounds. I myself lost 50 and, you know, we try to make it fun and enjoyable and focus on other things. But we know the journey is not always sparkles and glam <laughs> and without any plateaus or stalls. Those are part of the process. And I remember vividly being an entire summer in the same way. And in those moments, we might even wonder why continue. So what kept you going? For me, it was like, I had some serious conversations with myself when I hit stalls. Um, I hit a few of them along the way. You're not going to lose a hundred pounds and not have weeks where nothing happens. Your body, you know, it does naturally want to sometimes stop the weight loss process. I always call it like recalibrating. Like I like to think of, there are just times during weight loss where your body is recalibrating. Because like when I would hit my stalls, Now, there were a couple of stalls that it was a Corinne thing. It was like Corinne was not making some of the changes that her body was saying, hey, we're ready for the next level. And so it took me a minute of not having losses to be like, oh, okay, maybe I should try these things now. But a good bit of mine literally were coming from my body recalibrating. It was just my body needed a few weeks of what I was doing before it was going to release any more weight because I had been releasing weight. So I think one of the things for me was understanding that that was normal and that if I'm on a stall or I'm on a plateau, I just need to decide, are we recalibrating or do I need to look at what I'm doing and see, like, is this just a natural point in weight loss where you're like, all right, I've been doing so well with these things. 
what might I be ready to try next? That was super helpful because I used to always just think a solar plateau was like a bad thing. Like mm-hmm. I must be doing bad. I'm never going to lose. Like I would just make it mean so just terrible things. Mm-hmm. And then it would scare me into like eating. Like I would end up needing to eat to feel better because I was terrorizing myself. But I think the biggest thing for me was a realization. I had a conversation with myself one time where I was so frustrated that the scale wasn't moving. And I felt like, I felt like I had never in my life gotten my crap together so well And I was just like, I just deserve to be losing weight. I'm so different than I've always been. And I was disgusted with the scale. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking I should just eat. Like if if I'm not going to lose weight, I might as well be eating. And in that moment, it was the first time where I was like, that's a no. Like I remember thinking that mm-hmm. is how you've always thought in the past. And this is exactly how you've quit every single time. It's like, no, I don't like, I just told myself, I don't care if we don't lose another pound. The way we live today is better than anything we were doing when we were sitting on the couch, eating all the things and feeling sorry for ourselves with no energy to get up and do things. Like my life had changed and I still had like 50 pounds to go. And in that moment, I was like, you might as well just keep on going because going backwards, just not an option. We're just not doing that. And that right there was enough to get me like, oh, like you actually like a lot of the things you're doing. Oh my gosh. Like you'd rather live this way than live the way you were living. And that was huge for me in plateau land because then it made every plateau after that. I was more patient. I was willing to tell myself, You just keep doing what you're doing and it will all pay off. Like I would just tell myself, you can expect a, you can expect next week that it'll be better than this week. Like that was, that was the real like shift in mindset for me. Yes. I think that's what I love about your concept of the non-scale victories, like really looking how your life has transformed and really being curious and, and just thinking, well, I have the option of just stop doing everything and what's going to be the result of that? You know, I'm just going to gain the weight or I just keep going. And worst thing that happens, I just stay the same. My life is still going to be, you know, better because of all the changes that I've done. So that's why I love the non-scale victories, just to focus on how our lives are just so much better because of the changes that, that we are doing. So one of the things that I love the most about the work that you are putting out there is self-love. Initially, this can seem contradictory as most of us can have the misinterpretation. We must beat ourselves up into changing. I honestly did not fully understand this until I reached maintenance. But can you please share the essential role self-love plays in weight loss? So the, the way that I think about it is when we're beating ourselves up, we always feel bad. And I looked at why did I most commonly eat? (laughs) It was usually because of a day where I felt bad about something. I either didn't feel good enough. um, I was feeling guilty for not being a great mom. I worried about things. It just really made sense to me. It's like, oh, so when you feel bad, 
you are going to create more urges to eat. You're going to create more desire to want to check out with some food, to uh, try to feel better because you're eating. So that was like the first thing. Then the second piece was noticing, well, how often am I making myself feel bad because of the way I'm thinking about things? Mm-hmm. And it just, it dawned on me that if you, if you take the ability to be able to, all right, if I'm, if I'm talking to myself like a jerk and I'm feeling terrible and when I feel terrible, I eat, it would make sense. The real solve here is not to just cut out food. The real solve is to figure out, well, how do you motivate yourself? Like, mm-hmm. like, mo- like when most people say they want to be motivated, they're not sitting around going like, I wish someone would call me terrible names. Like nobody ever wishes. I'd like to go out in public and someone make fun of the size of my ass so that then I will start losing weight. Like nobody wishes for that, but they will say like, I just need someone to motivate me. Like, tell me, how do I get motivated? Motivated feels good. And so we have to start learning how to use our brain to cut ourselves some slack, you know, to not think that we're always broken. Like I went like for a long time, I would sit around and think about all the reasons why I couldn't lose weight, all the reasons, all the times that I had failed and stuff, and I would feel bad. And that was self-loathing. And then I decided when I was going to lose weight that I was going to stay in the mindset of being someone who's figuring this out. I told myself probably a thousand times a day. It's not that you can't lose weight. It's that you're working on figuring it out. No matter what I do every single day, I'm going to work on figuring out another step forward. Um, I did a lot of, instead of telling myself, you effed up and now you can't lose weight, I would just tell myself, this happened. What's the next best decision that you can make? So I just took these small ways that I was always treating myself terribly inside my mind. And I came up with, different little hooks of ways to think that it just, it, it's like the best way I can describe it is I used to talk to myself and I literally like my chest would cave in and my shoulders would slump. And then when I started losing weight and really thinking about how I talked to myself so very often, I would say things that would make me like, like just tilt my head and be like, Oh, I could think about it that way. And I would sit up a little straighter. You could literally see my body opening up to something like a new way to live rather than closing off from fear all the time. So I just think that self-love is one of those concepts where you can't poo-poo on it and you can't sit there and think it's woo and all this other stuff. We don't have to sit around on a pillow meditating about how much we love ourselves all day long, but we for sure have a thousand ways that we can think a little bit better about ourselves each and every day. And all of that adds up over time for weight loss. Yes, I love it. And I think that's what distinguishes the work that we do with all the diet industry stuff of the quick fixes. And it's so interesting that still when I talk to my clients, sometimes they're just kind of like in disbelief that, you know, what it takes really is the conversation to change that conversation that we're having with ourselves. But definitely it's, it's, it's what is required. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more now about maintenance because that's where I personally have had the, the most transformation in that conversation that we're talking about with ourselves. And, you know, people tend to focus on the losing weight part, but in my opinion, there are 
few people out there who are addressing maintenance. And when I approached my goal weight the first time, I found myself wanting to lose one more pound, one more pound and another pound. And then I cut myself and I'm like, wait. <laughs> but then what happened was I saw a pattern of me gaining during the weekends and then losing it during the week, gaining during the weekend. And it was kind of like a game I was playing because after all, if I wasn't the person trying to lose weight, who was I? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a big part also of maintenance is being very honest with the foods, with yourself, the before and the after. So can you just um, let me know your thoughts on this or if you can relate to that? Yeah. So I, I think it's natural for a lot of people when we have, when you've dieted most of your life and you finally lose your weight, there's, I think it's normal for us to go through a phase where we're afraid to let go of the focus on losing weight. Like, it's like, if I focus on maintenance to us, sometimes it equates I'll gain weight. And then we, we can't handle natural fluctuations in the scale and stuff. So I think maintenance is something that I think more of the diet industry should be teaching that we should be talking about because Mm -hmm. it's, and I used to even say, like, I remember I talked about this for a long time that, you know, lose it the way you want to live it. And I I still believe in that. Like, I still believe that you lose the weight the way you want to live it. But once you reach that goal, you have to actually learn how to think like you're going to live it. We have to break the ideas of like, you know, I'm still losing. I've got to have goals. You know, it's, it's an art to learn how to maintain your weight because you don't really have a goal anymore. Like you mm-hmm. have to like go out and find new things to uh, conquer and accomplish in life. So many of us use weight as like the one thing we've worked on in our entire lives and, and we've never gone and pursued anything else. And so we're not even good at pursuing other things. <laughs> you know, you tell me the other day, well, I mean, she reached maintenance and she's like, no, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's just like, it's when, if you think about it, Losing weight doesn't take a lot of time, like actual clock time. It doesn't take a lot of time, but when you're losing weight, there's a tremendous amount of mental energy that goes behind it. You know, what you're, you're, you know, you're thinking about what you're going to eat for the day. You're like, if you're, if you're really trying to change your mindset, you're also listening for excuses and you're, you know, you're auto-correcting, you're doing, you're doing a lot of mental work throughout the process. Well, then when you hit maintenance, It's like, now you've got all this mental bandwidth to deal with. And if you don't have something targeted and something to focus on there, your brain will want to go to what it always does. Now it'll just start worrying. You can't keep it off and worrying. What if you do this? And, you know, like, what could I have? Like, you kind of have to learn in maintenance to fill your brain intentionally with what it's going to chew on and actually like do stuff with. So some of the things that I have started teaching is, when you start getting into the maintenance range, you really have to start working on the belief that this is my lifestyle. Because even though you're losing it that way, and even if you're celebrating yourself all the way down and you're doing all that stuff, when the goal is reached, it's like it triggers you to be like, well, are we sure? We've never been able to keep it off before. Like it just, it has this uncertainty. So you have to Get and that, I think that's the problem with maintenance is so for many of us, it's been elusive and we don't have certainty there. So we're going to have to create that. And we do that by 
I like, I still to this day do work on, I write about what I love about my lifestyle, why I would never give it up, why, how I used to eat and doing those things, how it's just like, it just doesn't even fit into the person that I am today. Like I do a lot of convincing myself, this is who we are. You know, it's like, and you, and I think that that's part of when you lose weight, it's like, you have to convince yourself of who you are. You can't just leave it up to interpretation. Our brains are really bad at making up stories. Yes. <laughs> Usually it wants to make up the nightmare. So I think that's part of it. I think also, um, don't give up the habits that got you here. You know, this is one of the reasons why I say lose it. Like you're going to live it. You know, I still plan my food each day. It literally takes me less than 30 seconds, mm -hmm. but I appreciate the part of me that makes those decisions first thing, because what I notice is on the days I don't plan, I tend to stand in front of the refrigerator a little bit longer than, and, and it's not that I don't have the skill of making good choices and stuff, but I'm just like, do I want to spend two to three minutes of my precious life standing in front of the refrigerator, trying to figure out what to eat when I can make those decisions first thing in the morning? grab that food and then have an extra two to three minutes to do nothing. If I want to do nothing, read a book or whatever. I don't think we often realize in maintenance and in losing how much of that time we spend by thinking we want spontaneity or thinking we want freedom and stuff. And it's like, I don't find it very freeing to sit around in ambivalence and questioning and wondering and negotiating that to me, doesn't feel freeing. That always feels like more of a trap than anything. For sure. I totally agree with that one. And you mentioned something about, you know, when you get to maintenance, you need to realize that's the person who you are now. And one of the things that I did that was so therapeutic and helped me a lot. And it was writing a letter to my past self because I just feel just couldn't fully own that I was just a completely new person. So actually it was coach Heather from your team. She encouraged me just write a letter to your old self, like thanking her for starting the process of getting you here, but just slowly let her go. You're not that person anymore. And yeah. I remember to me, it sounded like woo woo. And then I started doing it and I, I started crying. I'm like, yeah, know all the emotions that that would bubble up and but after I did that work I just I feel the change that I could totally just own that this is the person who I am now and now and I think I think work like that's wonderful because like for me I think I spent a lot of time like when I first lost my weight um I mean I felt amazing I didn't feel like I was going to go back but I spent a lot of energy like trying to convince myself, it's okay to believe in this. It's okay to believe in this, you know? Um, but I spent a lot of my time not liking the version of me that was overweight. And mm -hmm. I realized I don't want to spend my life thinking something was wrong with her or that, like, I just didn't want to do that. It just never felt good. I felt like in order to really be who I am today, I really had to embrace all the versions that came before me. And I did some similar work where um, I wasn't really thanking my person, but I did some work on, well, I kind of did. I was very grateful to the version of me that got off the couch mm -hmm. and showed up because she had it way harder than I ever had it. Like the, the girl that was doing it the first couple of months 
like she was very courageous and very brave. There's, there is nothing I do to this day that will ever trump how much courage it took for her to go to the gym for the first time, how much courage it took for her to like decide she was going to do it and like be honest with her husband, like all the different things that happened for me in the beginning. I think for me, it was, it's probably more of a exercise of being very grateful to the versions of me that went through all the crap they had to go through in order for me to have the life that I have now. And that really bridged a good gap too. Yes. I remember, you know, Facebook, it shows like your, this picture from four years ago. And I remember a picture from five years ago popped up when I was at my fullest weight at my heaviest. And, you know, the initial reaction was like, oh, like, and then I'm like, I looked at that woman and I remember it was a picture of me holding my three months old baby, my last child. We were signing on a home because we just had moved because of my job, my husband unemployed. And I look at her, I'm like, that lady in that moment was signing the, the, she bought a house with her salary, moving her family and just had a baby. Right. And, and when I just saw all of that, I could just have so much compassion and just thank her. I'm like, and that's the brave lady who started the journey that got you here. So exactly. it's, it's so important to mend, mend their relationship with yourself. Yeah. You just don't want to be at war with yourself yeah. ever. Even the past versions of you, like there's just, and there's the other thing is that I think what's tricky about maintenance is that, you know, I always teach, we're going to have a range. So like for me, I've always had a 10 pound range. Like I go up and down this 10 pounds throughout the year. Um, like, like I was just saying, I've been in Vegas. Um, I like to plan to be able to, if there's times of the year that I want to be able to drink a little more or whatever, I have those times. I have times of the year where Like it's just easy to just sit around and do the things I normally would do. You know, it's just whatever. But if you're at war or you think that that other version of you is somehow bad or wrong or whatever, then when you have small blips on the scale, it will tap on that insecurity. You're Mm -hmm. like, that's bad. That's wrong. And I think that's why it's important for us to heal those relationships with all the versions of ourselves, because none of us were bad. There was never anything wrong with us. We just need to figure out how to stop eating when we weren't hungry. <laughs> yeah, they the best that they knew. They were just yeah. so they could. Okay. Before I go to my last question I just briefly want to pick your brain in this just because it's honestly it's very selfish it's like out of my own curiosity okay Uh, like yourself one of my motivators in um was wanting to be an athlete I would see athletes and I would just be like I want to be down I want somebody to look at me and know that I'm an athlete that I have this lifestyle and I wanted to be fit And now that I'm into fitness, I can see there's a lot of disorder eating Mm -hmm. in in this industry. And I can also see that, you know, you you pump your weight, you run your things, your triathlons and your 5Ks, 10Ks, 10 miles. um, And you love lifting your weights and getting toned. How can we keep a common sense um, self-love approach to being fit? and not get sucked in into the counting calories and macros that usually surrounds um, that environment. So, so I have done all like, so when I lost weight, I didn't count calories and stuff. And then I did some figure competitions in bodybuilding 
where I hired a coach. I didn't actually can't count the macros, but they did all that stuff for me. They just gave me a menu. And for me, that was the hardest time ever for me. And it wasn't so much eating the food. It introduced a lot of being overly critical about everything that I ate. And so Mm -hmm. I had to unwind that. I mean, I'm just like, let me say this. I would never take back the time. The I did that for like four years um, in the middle of my weight. So I'd lost weight in 2007, about 2009 or 10. I was like, I'm going to bodybuild. I'm going to do some competitions. And um, I don't regret it because I learned so much from it. And what I learned though, was that the way I'd lost weight was the way that I really wanted to be able to live my life. Like I did yeah. not want to live that way. Um, I think when it comes to athletes, um, unless you are going to be doing extreme sports, your body is still going to tell you what you need. Um, I have a friend of mine who she is a world-class Ironman athlete, qualified for Kona, goes to the world championships and stuff. She doesn't even count macros. (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm just like, if, if she can do that, I'm pretty sure I can lift some weights and do a Peloton class mm-hmm. and be okay with just eat your breakfast when you get hungry and stuff. It really, um, I think for all of us who are just wanting, I think you just have to think at the end of the day, you can look really good just by lifting weights and eating intuitively. Like yes. Literally, like it's not, we don't have to buy into what all is out there. I know that there are, you know, articles about macros and, um, you know, there's competition menus and all this other stuff, but I've just seen more people destroyed by that and develop like years and years of eating disorders. They have to unwind and body dysmorphia than I've ever seen people come out and be like, I feel incredibly better for the long haul. Like you just don't, you don't see a lot of those people in their fifties or even their forties talking about how much they love that lifestyle. Most of them are sitting around with their girlfriends, still nitpicking their body, still worried about everything that they eat, packing their lunches in coolers and bringing them to restaurants and stuff. It's like, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. You know, I, I saw, I will be very vulnerable and honest here. When I started kind of like that journey, maybe about a year ago when I got into my goal weight and I'm like, oh, let's get fit. And I started seeing my, bin, like binging, like just, I started to binge and binge more and more frequently. And then I, I stopped myself. I'm like, I'm doing this at the price of what? Like, I want to have a normal relationship with food. And then I just, it was all about being, again, self-care, taking care of myself. Like, yeah. what is the, in a loving way, respectful way towards my body um, that I need to do? And then I, again, resumed again. I'm like, I'm going to eat when hungry. I know I'm taking care of myself. And it's it's amazing to see how when you respond to your hunger, intuitively like you you teach um all of the the urges for binges then just went down because my body was kind of like what are you doing to me give me more food so well I think that's important especially for bingers and stuff is to really understand you know your body does not want to be traumatized it does mm -hmm. not want to feel like you're restricting it that doesn't mean go buy a pack of Oreos and eat all of them All it Mm -hmm. means is, is that 
you know, let's just get so much better at listening to what we really need. Like I can tell when my body needs extra food. I, like it just, it, it sends me signals. It's just getting really good at identifying when you have food rules. And I think the anxiety around food rules and the anxiety around like, you know, um, just having to follow specific plans and you can only eat these things. It's so stringent and it just sets you up to um, auto-correct. I was talking about this concept this morning on uh, a clubhouse I was doing that when your brain makes big changes, you have these big brain reactions. So Mm -hmm. it's like your brain wants to go in the opposite direction. So if you're going to do a 180 in how you eat, then when it wants to have something else, it wants to do a 180 and what it wants to have in the moment. And so I, you know, I mean, as you know, I like to teach everything in these small things, small changes, small brain reactions, like the brain might flip out a little, but not extreme, not so much that you can't tell it no. And so I think that that's just really important. But when it comes to fitness and stuff, it's not as complicated as the diet industry wants to make it. And we all have to remember that a lot of the people who are pushing macros and they're pushing certain things it's because they're pushing a product on the back end of it yes you know they're like to get your macros buy this protein powder and i get a cut from that and to do this and do you know it just just always be mindful about what you're reading and you're hearing and and what they're actually wanting you to do there's usually a product on the back end (laughs) yes yes um i remember when i started applying your concepts and I'm like, oh, you mean that I can have a slice of cheesecake and still maintain like this? And it's just beautiful, again, just to plan your foods, being in tune with what your body needs and being really honest, like the foods that sit well in your body and being willing to, again, to be honest with yourself about it. Okay, so I don't want this to ever end, but (laughs) um, my closing question for you is, so you lost 100 pounds 15 years ago. What is the one advice you would give Corrine then before she started, right before she started her weight loss, her last weight loss journey? Um, I actually was talking about this earlier today. It's, I would just tell my, I was always just somebody who was riddled with worry about everything. My mother was a worrier. Her mother before her was a worrier. <laughs> the worry gene just goes through our family. Um I wish I had just learned a long time ago to not worry so much and to just believe that things are going to turn out better than you think. Like I, that has been something that has gone through my brain. It still goes through my brain now. Like when I want to worry, when I want to um, predict doom and gloom, my brain loves to go to what could go wrong first. It's just holding, just holding a little bit of like, time to believe things are going to work out better than you believe they are right now. So that I could get that relief. Um, cause I probably spent the first few months, although I was determined and I was very willing and I was moving forward. I was also doing it, dragging along, worrying if I would keep going, worrying if like, do I, do I dare believe I'm going to be able to continue? Like there, that stuff did not happen overnight. Like I had to wake up each and every day and bring the version of me who was scared and terrified and doubting 
and marry her with the version of me that was like, but we're going to keep going and it won't hurt if we make some changes today. And, you know, I know you're scared, but you will feel so much better if you go take that walk, like you said you would. So I think it's just a lot of just telling myself, just, it turns out way better than you believe. I love it. Thank you so much. Well, do you want to share with our listeners where they can find you and learn more about the work that you do? Yeah. So, um, I have a weight loss membership. It's the Nobius weight loss. It's a, uh, you can take my free course at nobiusfreecourse.com. And if you're a life coach certified coach and you would love to learn the things just like Chris did, uh, you can go to theweightlossuniversity.com. We have our final session opening for this year. So Chris was my first class. I've got a second class this year and then we're only doing one next year. So it's a long wait for anybody <laughs> who doesn't jump in for this round because we won't do it again until summer of next year, but it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. We're actually giving you guys, um, one of the things I love to do for all clients, whether they're a no BS member or they're doing this new stuff is, um, uh, you get access to things that like, if we change the program, we just give you the new stuff. So you guys are also, I don't even think we've told you guys yet, but we just got through redoing a lot of the content. Um, we're giving all of that to you guys and we're giving you all the recordings for everybody that goes through this Yay. time. If y'all want the replays, you get to watch all the replays. So <laughs> we're like continuing education lit over here. <laughs> because they're all kind of like, will she do a continuation or something like that? Because we just cannot get enough of your teaching. Seriously. It's awesome. Yeah, we're going to give, we're, we're still working on some stuff, but we're for sure going to give you guys, um, all, access to all the fresh materials and the replays. And that's just something that I've always believed in doing when, um, just in every af avenue of everything that I did. I just, I don't think that you guys should uh, technically be punished because I decided to make the program even better. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and I want you guys to succeed. I, I loved your group. Y'all were an amazing group and y'all made me so, so thrilled to even start um, helping other people get that no BS word out and, and do their thing. So, Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was just awesome. Such a treat to have you here and have this kind of like conversation with you. We'll learn so much and I'm super sure our listeners will benefit from it too. Thank you so much, Corinne. You're welcome. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. If you found this to be helpful, please rank it and leave a review because by doing so, you make it easier for others to find it. Also, if you would like to find out how to work with me and be part of our multilingual and multicultural community, make sure you visit my website, chrisberlingerymd.com. There is a free planning guide waiting for you there as well.